Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop, drop, drop your buffs. Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Hello and welcome to the inaugural edition of Drop Your Buffs. This was formerly known as All Things Recapped, but we're specializing now. We're focusing now. Honestly, we're in a mode of celebration because we've made it. We've made it, he said, not sure if they'd actually made it. We made it to a new season of Survivor, season 41, and that's what this is going to be. This is going to serve as your preview episode. Um, before we do that, drop your buffs by way of the Over Under Chiefers podcast. Is a proud member of the Popcast Media Group, where you can find other wonderful shows like the Popcast with Knox and Jamie and the Bible Binge. Uh, just so you know, just so we're on the same page. On Thursdays, throughout the season of Survivor, I will be recapping Survivor. You will get that episode on Thursdays. And then on Fridays, if you are so inclined, I will be joined by my friends Jason Waterfalls and Andre Three Sex, two very real people, and we'll be talking sports. And hey, I'll just put this out there like an offer to form an alliance. If you want to rate this podcast with five stars, that would be great. But do you know what would be even better? Tell people you enjoy the show. Let your friends know. Hide your kid. Don't hide your kids. Hide your wife. Tell your kids. Tell your wives to... Download this episode, subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any recap episodes that we're going to do throughout the season. And if you're new to this, here's how this is going to work throughout the season. So what we're going to do is I'm going to give my you know stray opening thoughts, tending the fire, as it were, uh, of the episode and, and the, the inner workings and the actions of uh, each and every single episode, as well as uh, I'm going to talk about episode superlatives. I'm going to do some uh, hidden tribal immunities, who took the biggest L's, things like that. And then um, at the end of the episode, I'm going to respond to your questions that you guys send me on Instagram or Twitter. For this episode, though, just because since we haven't started, I'm just going to be doing a very, 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 very chill preview of the show. Um, uh, and I'm going to talk about some of the contestants and the various guides that are out there on the uh, different corners of the interwebs. But before I do that, how's everybody doing? You guys doing okay? It's been, it, it was a long year. Um, uh, caveat, caveat, caveat. Obviously, pandemic sucks, et cetera, et cetera. It, just thinking through the lens and through the sphere of Survivor, it was a long year without Survivor. But I'm really I'm really glad to be back. I hope you guys are glad to be back. I know we probably have some new listeners. The Even if you're not listening, I know we have a lot of new people who, because of the des- desperation of the pandemic, they were looking for stuff, uh, seasons of TV to crush through. Um, and uh, when I was asked or solicited for my opinions, I would always prompt them to go check out Survivor, which ended up on Netflix, and I would give them my list of TV shows. So, you know, if you're listening and you're like, hey, I, I'm just kind of listening because I don't know how this happened, but I would like to catch up um, while this season's also going on. Just hit me up in a message. I've got my list of my favorite episodes of Survivor that I can send you uh, with no uh, big deal. But uh, you know, I'm just glad. I'm, I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to be back. Hopefully, you're glad to be here. Hopefully, you're glad to be back as well, um, and we can start crushing through some Survivor strategy here. So, uh, without further ado, let's get started with opening thoughts. Come on in, guys. All right. So first opening thought about the season and I feel like we're all in the same place you guys know what I'm going to talk about I, I barely even think I should mention it but I feel like it just behooves me to touch on it and it's the it's Jeff Probst hair it is it just it is because you know we were in a nuclear winter of survivor news and footage and excitement and then all of a sudden this glorious bastion of hope shows up in our Instagram feeds and Jeff Probst he's like hey surprise bah, we're doing survivor it's amazing and we're so excited about that but you know, part of that surprise and that excitement was mitigated by the the illustrious mane of flowing hair on Jeff Probst's glorious head. And I just, I, 
I love Survivor. You know, I, 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 this is a celebratory podcast. It is okay, and I'm not. I'm not. You know, most things I try to remain objective, but within this, I'm very subjective. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be the guy who tries to poo-poo on Survivor. I'm not doing that, and I'm not poo-pooing on Jeff's new hair. I think you know, in the pandemic. We ought to do things to cope, right? Like a lot of people um, took up new hobbies. A lot of people made sourdough bread. Well, it looks like Jeff Probst, his body made a glorious mane of head hair because it's just a wall of hair. Um, it looks, in a lot of ways, honestly, I'll just like uh, full disclosure, it reminds me of Tom Brady, you know, and that wall of hair that guy's making. And I don't know how in these advanced ages of performers that they're making such flowing, glorious locks of hair, but they are, they just are. It has a, Jeff's has a real, I'm not just the owner. I'm also a client energy, you know, and I don't know. Um, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know. I understand it because he's on TV. I would just say if, if we had to do some PED testing on the hair, probably would come back, uh, very positive. You know what I mean? But that's okay. I just hope my guy's in a good space. And if you know what, you know what? If that's what he needed to do to get through the pandemic, good for him. Good for him. We all had to make sacrifices and choices of things. Like, look, I started making alcoholic slushies every night at dinner. That's a thing I'm trying to walk back, and that's okay. Jeff Rose just making a lot of hair on the head, and he is going to have to trim that, or else he's going to have a real hippie look as the host of Survivor. But that's okay. I allow that. I accept that in him, and I hope you all do too. Okay, second stray thought I had, and this isn't. This is a little bit inside baseball. This is in the nitty-gritty of making Survivor. Um, but it's something I noticed when I was reading a little bit about the upcoming season. And it's about, obviously, you know, I think uh, Survivor, they wanted to begin shooting a little early. And honestly, I was a little s- stunned that of all the shows I could get kicked back up, Survivor was the one that took the longest. But I think a lot of that has to do with all the infrastructure, all of the people required to make Survivor happen. So it's a testament to their commitment to the health and safety of everybody, but it's also a, a testament to how comprehensive this show is. How It's not just like a couple guys with some iPhones and a bunch of people like in the woods. It's a, it's a whole thing, right? So um, there was a lot of, it was like moving a very, very big ship in the Suez Canal um, and hoping it doesn't block up like uh, global traffic for a long time. They did it, um, but it just took a long time to get kicked back up and get restarted. So um, one of the things I read though, and it was talking about how the, uh, because they were trying to shoot two seasons back to back, um, they had to reduce their shooting schedule from 39 total days to 26 total days. And what that means, if those no, if those uh, uh, date numbers make any significance to you, um, you know, normally the uh, contestants are on the island for a certain amount of days, and it's we see how dirty they get and how much weight they lose and everything. Because this is a compressed schedule, this is going to change the gameplay dynamic. For a while, I wondered if there was a quarantine in the middle of the game, uh, and I thought that would definitely change um, uh, the mechanics uh, and the uh, however however you want to talk about um, how a two week uh, break off uh, in total solitude would affect the gameplay. It would affect the gameplay, but from everything I can gather, that's not it. It's just that they had to um, quarantine for two weeks, and then they had X amount of time to keep people at certain places uh, and locations booked, and equipment booked, and people booked, and all of that good stuff. So uh, their decision was to shoot two seasons, twenty six days each. Now. I don't know. Obviously, we won't know how this affects the game until we actually see it. But I do know that because of that compressed timeline, the conditions have also been compressed. If you read any interviews with Jeff Probst or any of the producers or Survivor, they've attested to um, because 
they no longer have that long uh, delay of time to really like try to deprive you of sleep and of food, they had to escalate that. They had to elevate the risk profile um, of those conditions and how they factor in the game. So um, this is going to be a real variable, you know, and I don't know how it's going to, um, I don't know in what way it's going to affect the game because obviously they're trying to simulate the same kind of experience and I appreciate that. But there are unintended consequences of this. There are variables to account for in this. So um, I don't know what that, I don't know if that will prioritize, you know, whereas before probably younger um, contestants were a little better at enduring that. I don't know if this helps them or if this hurts them. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And I know that's not like a super hot take to be like, we'll just have to see how what happens. I don't know. But like, um, I think it's uh, something to know going into this game that that's an aspect that's going to change. And from all indications, especially given their shooting process and the interviews uh, and the subsequent shooting process, I think everyone's really excited about maintaining that 26-day schedule um, going forward. So unless this is just an unmitigated disaster, I think that's what what they're going to be doing going forward. Because you know, if, if you're not shooting for 13 days... I'm not trying to finance plane anybody here, but that's less money that you have in terms of overhead and that's more money you can get in terms of the same advertising spread and everything like that. So I think it's something to take note of, of are they going to be doubling up? Are we going to get a, first of all, I'm wondering if this is going to change the episode count. I, I would have to say it wouldn't because I think that's the thing that maintains primacy of the uh, schedule, the the TV uh, viewing schedule, you know, like in the in CBS's uh, schedule on their platform. They want to maintain that. But how does that reduce the quality of the show? How does that reduce um, the quantity of the storylines that they have to be able to fill out? Because I thought that's always what separated Survivor from everything else. Every other reality TV show was all of the individual episodes really stood on their own. There was um, rising action, falling action, redemption, Dana Moss, all that good stuff. Are we still going to get that? I I don't know, but I am really fascinated to see. Um, In conjunction with that, I did see that as they were um, trying to game plan, like we all were, you know, once the pandemic went from, uh, or the quarantine went from two weeks to like, infinite time, you know, or undisclosed uh, amount of time that we're going to be all in our houses. Um, one of the considerations for Survivor was that they shoot in Georgia. And I thought that was um, uh, at, at simultaneously brilliant, hilarious at what it says about Georgia, but also um, the idea that because truly, you know, I know Georgia, like not Russia, Georgia, like America, Georgia, you know what I'm saying? And I think truly there are aspects of Georgia that, you know, like Atlanta, it's very cosmopolitan, very, um, uh, it's a very modernized city uh, in the middle of the South. Um, but you also have, if you go like 45 minutes outside of Atlanta, you have places that legitimately feel like they're still in 1974. And I can't even, my advanced Appalachian ear cannot even pick up the dialect dialect of Southern language that they're speaking. So I think that would have made for an interesting wrinkle instead of beach, tropical side. We'd be talking, I don't know if it's Tybee Island. I don't know where they're at, um, but I do know there would 100% be like a Waffle House Rewards um, challenge that I would have been all here for. So I'm a little sad and lamenty that that didn't happen. It's probably for the better, but it's good to know that they have that in the chamber if they need to go there. Want to explain for? Yes. All right. Now we're going to turn our gaze into the contestants for season 41 of Survivor. We're going to do a contestant preview. And I was a little reticent about doing a contestant preview because I really 
um, uh, you can only deduce so much from bios, right? You can only tell so much about the picture that is chosen and the information that is chosen to be disclosed. Um, I think that's a lot of the work of uh, the particular website that you're using. For me, I'm using uh, Entertainment Weekly. Um, I would tell you that I'll put the link in the show notes, but I'm not going to do that. I believe in you all as adults and as um, a highly functioning teenagers that you can find what I'm looking for and you can look at the cast preview. If you just want to Google Survivor 41 cast preview, I feel like that'll get you there, but I feel like that was even condescending me to tell you that because I think you know that anyway. Uh, anyways, what I'm saying is I think there is more to overreact to than there is competent information because I do believe that in uh, in the first episode – getting a sense of just the people and how they interact with each other, but even more getting a sense of what the show and what the editors and what the producers want you to do with those players. I think that's much more informative than anything we're going to do here. That being said, I feel like it is maybe just even in the spirit of celebration of just getting to like really lean into that idea that survivor is coming back. I feel like this is a worthy exercise. So I'm going to go down the list and I'm just going to talk about a couple things that jump out for each contestant. I'm going to try not to ramble. I'm, I'm going to try not to keep this overly um, effusive with analysis or praise or with uh, doubt because we literally just don't know these people yet. And to be fair, I um, I know like I'm going through a, a bio preview. There's a lot of content out there. If you really want to dive into these people and like really want to get into their backstories, that's not something I usually want to do. I, um, in all reality TV shows that I recap or watch, I like to stay pretty true to the text. So I try to stick with the preview that EW d- does because I, I do think they do the best job on Survivor and then uh, use what I see on TV. So I'm not going to go into Parade. I'm not going to watch their Twitter videos. I'm not going to find out what they wanted to be when they were 12 years old because I feel like that will inform too much, maybe in a wrong way. So I want to stay pretty pure and blameless in terms of my interpretations of these characters. So um, up first, we have uh, Sydney Siegel. Um, she is, you know, something else I want to do is, um, I, I think it's always, for me, it's always really helpful to, um, cross reference the contestant with the Vegas odds of them winning. And I know this might be boring for some people, so I'm not going to lean in too much to it, but I feel like it's a good context for how Vegas, um, a place that is financially incentivized and getting things correct, how they view these contestants based on the information, the analysis, and the algorithms that they have. So um, what's interesting about Sydney, though, is she's actually off the board. Um, that typically that happens when something weird is going on with a game or a team or an individual. Or honestly, what I think this is is probably just a quirk of Survivor's not like a hotly bet um, uh, real estate, um, uh, piece of real estate like on the, on the gambling interweb. So I think it's probably just her... Um, a, a lack of uh, like an oversight or something. I don't think it's like secret about something she does or doesn't do on the show. So that's just for context. Um, I think the bigger thing overall with Sydney is her picture. And again, I don't know how much control she has over this versus what the producers want her to do because they're trying to pitch a certain archetype of a character. But in her picture, she has a barely there um, string bikini that is leopard print. Um, I do feel a little guilty just like having this on my screen and looking at it and talking about it just because I don't want to be problematic. But um, the thing about her that I see is that she is a very um, charismatic, accomplished, confident candidate. She speaks multiple languages. Um, I think she is used to being very good at what she does and um, not even underestimated. I think she's used to being a leader. She's used to success. Um, she is a law student right now. Um, she was a California state champion in cross country. Um, I, I think all this bodes really well. Um, so for me, if, if I didn't see the picture, I would say this probably is a contender, but seeing the picture, 
I'm always looking, and this probably I should have like uh, given my grand unifying theory of um, Survivor, like who I who I think wins Survivor before seasons. I should have probably given that before I started, but we're already here, so what are we going to do? Um, I choose to, um, I go for. Um, it, this isn't me. This is my perception of who typically wins Survivor. Uh, it's. It, I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. It's just what I tend to notice is it feels like um, white beta males um, tend to win, and then attractive female schemers tend to win. Usually, those both uh, are, are white characters and white contestants. Um, I do hope we we see some change in evolution in that um, process, and we see more diversity in that respect. Um, but I do think. Um, that's, it's always a safe bet to go in that direction. So understanding that, um, I, I like Sydney's chances, but I also, part of that grand unifying theory is I like people, I like not flashy people because I think flashy people, um, it's the same reason why, um, uh, football, uh, like CBS, Fox, uh, ESPN, it's the same reason why they hire, um, former players to call games after they are retired it's because it's the ease of understanding and it's the flash of oh Drew, B- Drew Brees was in the playoffs now he's calling a game I understand that uh, on Survivor it doesn't work in that direction because the more flashy the more notable you are uh, I think it's uh, it's almost like the reverse of nature too the flashier you are um, I know you're trying to mate in nature I feel like I'm kind of all over the place with flash but we're just going to ride it out because I hopefully I can land on a point um, the less flash and razzle dazzle in Survivor the better because that's just another reason to get rid of you or if there's not a good reason to get rid of you it's just a thing that exists that's easier to cleave onto than someone like a yule who is just a cool guy who's really smart and quiet but he doesn't do anything annoying or offensive and he's not all always walking around like in his thong underwear or whatever you want to keep those people around just subconsciously because they do not cause that much friction in your brain. So um, if this is going to be her vibe on the show is that she's always like in a string bikini. I don't like, I hope like fry, fly your free fly. You do whatever you want, Sydney. I do think that's going to get on people's radar and annoy some people. So I would probably reduce her chances um, in my head. All right, next up we have Danny McRae. He's a 33-year-old former NFL player. And on reality TV, normally when I see ex-athlete, ex-NFL player, ex-MLB player, ex-NBA player, anything like that, that to me always means like they played minor league baseball or they played summer league basketball or they played Euro league football. Danny McRae actually is a former NFL player. Like he, he started for uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I think he played a little bit of safety, um, was a special teamer. So he actually got to play in the game. So this is a legit dude. Um, the thing that sticks out to me are his pet peeves. Um, and he talks about lying, not being on time, and lack of accountability. Um, lack of this, I'm just reading this directly from the profile. Lack of awareness and consideration for people's time and space or having to repeat myself after three times. I don't disagree with any of that. I kind of also share those things. Um, my fear, though, is that this is a guy who is used to competing at a high level and he is not going to um, have a lot of patience for that one player on your tribe who is, uh, you know, when it takes. Uh, two minutes to swim something for the rest of your tribe mates. It takes that person 16 minutes. I don't think he's going to have a lot of empathetic capacity. And I don't think there's a rigidity here that I'm a little concerned about in terms of him being able to like play a really good social game. 
Add to that, this is your classic alpha male, super athletic, physical physically imposing presence, which historically these guys just don't do well in the show because, um, yeah, they get you through the early days, but once you merge or once, uh, I'm sorry, once you uh, switch tribes or once you merge, they're the ones who always get picked off pretty quickly. So um, I think he's going to be a really interesting player um, because I always really enjoy the subtext that former pro athletes bring. I remember Jeff Kent was here. Uh, there was a uh, former uh, Scott Pollard, I think was uh, a former player. I really appreciate because I think they are both, um, it, it can go one of two ways. Uh, they can look down on people as normals, or you can see these people who are really good at group situations because that's kind of what they've done all their life. I think he's going to be really good at the group uh, situation, but I think he's going to be too athletic. And I think he's going to get into some arguments with some players because he just doesn't understand why it takes um, uh, Bruce or Berlinda 42 minutes to climb a wall resulting in their tribe losing. All right. Next up is uh, Liana Wallace. Um, she's twenty. She's a college student. Um, she uh, the the big thing about her is um, she's kind of poetry adjacent. Um, she has an accomplishment that she talks about in her bio, where she was invited to perform spoken word for Congressman John Lewis um, during a uh, nonprofit organization uh, fundraiser in her community, which is super cool. Um, that always raises a red flag to me, not because of her or her personality or her character. Um, I think the uh, artistic types tend to not vibe well with Survivor because while they do bring a different sensibility, I think in terms of endurance and the capacity, the, the capacity to like grit through your circumstances, um, I don't know, I don't know if that's going to do well. Obviously people can always kind of um, subvert the expectations that you have and the expectations attached to the experiences that they have. But um, given her youth and her uh, the, the vibes she's bringing in terms of her priorities and the things she's used to, I don't know that she probably would be considered to be a threat um, in this season of uh, Survivor. I would say I, I forgot this on Danny, so let me let me fix this. Um, Danny McRae, he's plus five hundred, which I think plus five hundred is the best odds we have out there. So he is considered a favorite. Leon is plus sixteen hundred. So the higher those numbers, obviously for uh, nascent gamblers, the higher those numbers, uh, the worse odds you have. The lower those numbers, uh, as, as close as you can get to negative, that's when you're actually favored. So Danny is pretty favored. Liana is not uh, very favored at all. All right, next up we have Brad Reese. He is 50 years old. He's from Wyoming. Um, he is a rancher. Uh, his hobbies are hunting, fishing, helping others pursue their passion, achieving their dreams. This is a guy I look at and I think, okay, um, he is probably a contender. Okay, I, I do see that as pet peeve is lack of initiative, which I feel like is uh, could be a problem around camp. Um, but he seems like a guy who is not going to be overly intimidating physically. Um, he is good at outdoor stuff, so he's going to be good at like building shelter. He's going to be good at providing food. Um, it really will come down to the social aspect of him. Um, he's got a really great story. Um, uh, he talks about like a lot of times he takes a lot of risks. And he's got a really great story about his uh, dad and how he worked with him um, and how his dad uh, fought cancer. Um, I I don't know. In terms of the uh, uh, Vegas odds for him, um, he's plus 1,200. So that would lead me to believe he is not. Uh, Vegas doesn't see him as quite um, a threat. But I would say that's probably about um, uh, points off because he has two first names, two white guy first names. Um, if you're not a Georgia quarterback and you have two first names, I don't know what to do with you, and I don't know why you're doing that. So that's probably – I don't know if that's like a shade on his character or something, but um, given the rubric that I apply to Survivor, this is a guy to uh, watch, but um, your mileage may vary on that interpretation. He does – I will say his picture – I'm not trying to be rude. 
but he does look like someone who would uh, either breathe really heavily or chew with his mouth open. And that could be that could be a big issue around camp. All right, next up is Erica Kasupanan. I hope I got that right, Erica. Um, if not, please uh, take my apologies. Um, she is 32. She is uh, from Niagara Falls. She lives in Toronto right now. Uh, I'll just I'll go ahead and spoil it. This is my uh, my favorite. This is the person I think uh, could win and should win. Um, her Vegas odds are plus 500, which again puts her in that initial contender category. Um, here's what I like about her. Um, she is not a uh, she doesn't seem like a physical threat. I think she is five two or five three, so she's a little bit um, shorter, um, but. I like that she works in communications. Um, her hobbies, she likes to travel, uh, she likes boxing and fitness, and she follows pop culture. Uh, I know those things are kind of disparate, but I feel like that uh, evokes a well-roundedness um, that I feel like would serve her well in the game. Um, she describes herself as fun, fearless, and empathetic. I think that empathy is so good and crucial in Survivor, especially playing a social game. Um, and I like her pet peeves. It's ignorance and men in ill-fitting jeans. I feel like that's a very relatable thing. I, like, I also um, agree with that. Um, she Really, what it was was... In these bios, they ask every single contestant, why do you believe you can win Survivor? And her uh, answer was one of the best answers that I saw. And it's that she says, I've been manipulative since I since before I knew what manipulation was. Um, I like that. And I think manipulation in the wrong package can be really, really annoying. Um, but she is uh, she seems very cute and cheery. And I feel like she's she doesn't seem like a physical threat to people. So I can see her really hanging around. Um, and she fits that profile of an attractive schemer. Um, so I, I have really high expectations uh, for Erica. All right, next up is Jairus Robinson. He is also 20 years old. He's from OKC. Uh, he's a college student. Um, the I, I like him. I feel like this is a guy I would be friends with in real life. Um, he does in his profile seem to be leaning in on the charming, the energy, the charisma. And I think while those are all really good things, I don't think it um, lends itself to advancing far in the game I, he is uh, listed in vegas as a plus 1600 which is a bit of a long shot um and i think it's because of that reason he reminds me um i think best case this is like a woo kind of game from uh Kakiyan, i think the Kakiyan season a guy who seems like the coolest to hang out with but there's just not a lot of uh scheming there's not a lot of intellect to his game uh over just like re being really friendly and like having not really anticipating or seeing moves or making moves but just being really friendly with everybody and that's not a bad thing because that can get you far in the game but i do um think there probably lacks an edge in his game that will limit him uh this season all right, next up is Evie Jagoda. I hope I got that first name correct. She's 28. Um, she is from New York, but she lives in Massachusetts. She's a PhD student. Um, the, you know, the Vegas odds on Evie are not great because she's plus 2,000, which I think is the um, second worst odds that we have on the board. Um, so that doesn't uh, bode well for her. But I think, that, honestly, the biggest issue is um, pet peeves, you know, I think in the, in the players, if we go back and check this out after the season, I think the players who go far, their pet peeves are very limited. You know, it's like a sentence or three words or something. Um, hers, uh, Evie's is, uh, almost an entire paragraph and, uh, it's just men. Um, so I'm not, I'm not offended by that as a man, like whatever, whatever. Um, but it feels like a very specific kind of man, um, because she talks about machismo, mansplainers, and she kind of, uh, talks about a little bit of, uh, I guess baggage she has with dudes and like snarky, uh, masculine dudes. And that's totally fine and, and good with her. I think though, she's going to run <laughs> if you, look, if you're producing a show, 
and you're like, I, I do need to have some, you know, uh, episode starters of people who are going to get into some, there's going to be some natural collisions and conflicts here in the wild. She is someone, Evie is someone that you would include in that because, you know, if you put her on a beach with a, um, I don't know, with uh, uh, Brad or somebody like that, or one of the other guys will get a Xander or, or, uh, or a David um, that we'll talk about you're probably going to get some sparks flying. And, you know, I think that's going to be good TV. I don't think that's going to be good for her game. So for those reasons, um, I would be out, but I do wish her luck in her endeavors. All right, next uh, contestant, this is uh, Ricard. I think I said Richard earlier. I, I apologize. Ricard Foyer. I hope I got that right. There's an accent mark over the E, so I don't know what that does because, again, words are hard for people like me. Um, he's 31. He's a flight attendant. Um, his hobbies are violin, running, and winter guard. I don't know what winter guard is, but it sounds really cool, so I hope he loves it. Um, I I don't love Ricard's chances because he looks like he is – his conditions – are set to seduce. He is, uh, he's got like a slick back. I, I can't see a, a man bun, but I feel like there's a man bun. He's got some very, um, naturalistically evocative tattoos, um, on his body in various, uh, places. Um, you know, he, uh, I think he, anytime someone says, uh, hopeful, like that's one of, uh, the things you can use to describe me. I don't think that bodes well in survivor. And even more than that, um, he, uh, one of the questions they also ask is which past survival will you play the game most like? And he says, Aubrey Bracco, but when, and I think, um, when you are trying to play like a player whose, um, methods have been proven more than once that they don't work, I think that's probably not a great, um, thing. I, you know, I, I can see him as flying, um, uh, flying like low and, and slow with some, with one of the leaders and then like putting a knife in their back at the end. But um, in terms of his odds, he's plus 1600. I don't think this is a real threat, but I do think he'll make some really interesting TV. So I'm, I'm excited and interested to get to know him. All right, next up is Chantelle Smith. She's 34. She is from Toronto, but she lives in D.C. She is a pastor, um, and her hobbies are running, improv, acting, comedy, and dancing. Those are not necessarily hobbies that I feel like lend them, like uh, naturally matriculate to positivity in the survivor context. But I think when you look at this, when you look at Chantelle, um, this feels like a social player. This feels like someone who she's going to her uh, efforts and her um, fortunes in the show are going to rise and fall on her ability to make connections. I think um, she has a really great story because she's uh, she says that uh, one of the things we wouldn't know by looking at her, she was in a gang um, and she uh, she also tells some really good family stories in her bio. Um, so I think. In terms of social connection, I feel like especially as being a pastor, you had to develop those and you had to be able to cultivate trust um, and earn respect in people. Um, so I can see her. I don't I don't see her necessarily as a contender. Her odds are a little better than some of the most recent ones we talked about. She's plus a thousand. So they're still a little high, um, but I can see her advancing pretty decently far into the game. All right, next up is Nasir Mutalif. I hope I got that right. He is 37. He's from Sri Lanka, but he lives in California. He's a sales manager. Uh, he likes traveling, cooking, and cricket. Um, he's really just going to get to do one of those uh, on Survivor. But I'm really interested in Nasir because um, his story is really interesting because uh, he talks about um, really kind of living in really terrible conditions until he was 18. He lived in a mud hut, no electricity, no running water, no electronics or electricity until he was 18 years old. Um, so that tells me that he is uh, well-versed at roughing it um, in a way that we, that modern, that people probably listen to this podcast and myself included, don't really uh, have any kind of context for. Um, the thing that gives me a little bit of pause though is um, when asked um, why he thinks he can win Survivor, 
and asked like who what past survivor he'll play the game like he seems to indicate that he doesn't have a good um handle on the game necessarily but also um players who've come before and that's not a death knell by by any means but i do think um part of winning survivor at this point is being educated in the history of survivor not because that's uh, a necessity but but that helps inform decisions that helps you anticipate anticipate things and that helps you run different simulations and repetitions in your head like intellectual repetitions of what past players did and what those results were so i, I think that is going to be a little hiccup for uh, him um i will say his vegas odds are plus 750 so um on the higher end of the contender status um so i look forward to see how he will um how he will fare um, both socially, both historically in the in the bigger context of the game, but also physically, because I think this is a hard worker. This is someone who can endure things well. Um, whereas that's that can be the thing that folds other in, uh, um, contestants is that uh, inability to endure um, the relentless grind of Survivor. All right, next up is Jeannie Chen. She's 46. She's from L.A., but she lives in Portland, Oregon. Uh, she's a grocery clerk, uh, and she likes cooking, video games, thrift store, and antique shopping. Again, maybe cooking will be helpful here in Survivor, um, but those are not super relatable to this uh, this season of Survivor. I'll go ahead and spoil it. Jeannie is, uh, I think, the worst. She has the worst odds in Vegas to win Survivor, and that probably makes sense. Um, I, you know, her pet peeve. Um, is people who wear their masks incorrectly by not covering their nose and mouth or, or who don't wear them at all. It's a very specific COVID ref. Um, uh, so, I, I, you know, every year there's a couple people where you're like, I don't know that you're made for this game. She seems like one of those people that I don't know uh, that she's made for this game. Um, she does say that one of her most proudest accomplishment is uh, she got a hustle award. I think hustle is is a grit and hustle is a, um, a inv- invaluable aspect of Survivor. But I think... Um, there's going to be, I don't know, I think there's going to be an age factor because 46 isn't the end of the world. But I think in, with this specific cast, I think it is, it's on the higher uh, spectrum of age. Um, I think physically she's going to uh, have some issues on competing in the show. And I think, I don't know, I don't know if the, uh, I don't know if there's going to be a social aspect with rigidity um, because she does describe herself as fu- funny, kind, and sensible. But this just, uh, Jeannie seems like an easy target on an early vote um, to go ahead and get rid of. Um, her over somebody else and that's not great I don't love that but I, she does fit like in terms of pattern recognition I feel like I can see her I can see I can visualize Jeff Frost being like and the first person voted off of Survivor 41 is you know Jeannie Chen so hopefully not but probably all right, next up is Xander Hastings. Uh, Xander's 21. He's from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, but he lives in Chicago. Uh, here's what you need to know about Xander. He um, uh, he looks like I don't know generic brand Timothy Chalamet um, he is, or like you could talk me into, um, uh, Ozzy time traveled back, uh, to where he was as a youth. And that's what this guy looks like, but without facial hair. Um, he is, uh, look, I don't want to, I don't want to disparage and be like, he looks like a, like a, uh, early twenties meathead bro. Um, but that's kind of what he looks like. He loves free climbing, road tripping, antique shopping, graphic design. I am looking at that antique shopping and I just don't know what to make of that because, um, I feel like that's a lie from hell, um, but it's so weird that it actually kind of makes sense because I myself have developed a certain taste for antique shopping because Ashley, my lovely wife, loves to go antique shopping, and I kind of uh, didn't love it originally, but I kind of now am like really interested in it. I've been collecting, what's the name of the thing that you put alcohol in that's like fancy glass containers? I'm going to figure that out in a second. We'll come back to that. But um, not a craft. I almost said craft, but it's not a craft. Anyways, the fa- if... if 
if you saw him in an antique shop, I would feel like I had like actually accidentally walked into um, uh, the shooting set of like a rom-com. So I just don't know what to do with that. That's really kind of frazzled me, um, honestly. Um, but his pet peeves are laziness and cockiness, especially from people who like to bark, or- bark orders. That is um, Chekhov's pe- pet peeve foreshadowing because that's 100% going to happen and that's going to be the conflict of an episode. You know, um, I, I, I wanted to kind of summarize this, but I don't think I can, honestly, um, uh, appropriately without just reading it. So the question that he's asked his bio is, what's something we would never know? from looking at you and again i just want to emphasize this looks like a uh, uh walmart brand timothy chalamet okay so not timothy chalamet attractive but this is an attractive 21 year old kid his answer is i love the pursuit of knowledge and experience i could spend hours discussing the genius of richard Serra's commission for the nyc irs building or how mandarin enables the mind to think more creatively or the lab i just finished on rendering an a- image of the crab nebula using doppler shift and kepler's third law or an algorithm for my latest apps feed widget or the golden warmth of the sun as it crests the horizon on a cold morning in rock rocky mountain national park or meandering through the crowded bazaars of western china i want to live a thousand lives before mine is over i there's so much there that I can't like appropriately break down because that feels like a combination of something Matthew McConaughey would say in a Cadillac commercial slash uh, a monologue taken straight from Owen Wilson's character in Meet the Fockers when he's trying to like make uh, Ben Stiller's character look um, uncultured. Um, so I, I love talking about the Crab Nebula or Doppler shift. I don't know what that is, but I like, I just like someone talking about that, but any other person, but this, if this was genie, I'd be great. If this was Brad, I'd be like, awesome. But this kid like Xander Hastings, you 21 year old from Jacksonville, Florida, you, you're not allowed to do this. You can't, you have abs. I'm looking at at least eight abs that I see. So you're just not allowed. So I don't like you, even though I should like you, but I don't like you. And I think it's decanter. That's the name of the alcohol container. It's decanter. I like going antique shopping to see if I can collect decanters. Um, and I don't know why I do that, but I do that. And I just like, that's just like how I'm coping with, you know, Jeff grew his hair out. People made sourdough bread. I started collecting, uh, glass decanters and that's just is what it is. I, you know, it's weird because, um, his Vegas odds are plus 1200. And I think it's because Vegas read the preview and they read that paragraph. I just read you. And they're like, I, this kid can't be real. This kid looks like it's written by a homicidal algorithm who like took one um, uh, uh, astronomy class and then like followed up with a philosophy class. I, I just, I honestly, I'm, I'm flummoxed. I don't know what to do with this kid. Um, I can see him winning, or I can see him getting voted out first night. Um, so uh, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens with Xander. All right, next up is Sarah Wilson. Uh, Sarah is 24. She's from Sherman Oaks, California, but she lives in Boston, Massachusetts. She is a healthcare consultant, and her hobbies are poker, aerial skills, trapeze, cooking, and baking. I That's a that's a weird blend of skills, but good for her. Um, she describes herself as astute, resilient, and witty. I So Sarah, um, if you're not going to look at the uh, bios um, or the previews, Sarah has a cl- all-American girl-next-door kind of look to her. I can see her doing really well because of this. I can see her saddling up to one of the older contestants and flying under the radar in that way. But I also, I can see um, Sarah, like I can see it, in, I, I've seen it too many times. I can see Sarah um, exfoliating her skin in the in the shallow surf um, of Fiji or whatever, and I can see an older female contestant staring at her um, angrily and being like, she thinks she's the coolest or she thinks she can manipulate all the guys because she's so hot because she is, Sarah is an attractive uh, 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 person. Um, And I can see there being disdain or discontent, or I can see Sarah being a part of like the cool kids click or whatever that uh, some of the other 
contestants want to target. Um, I I don't know. I don't see you know this. She seems like a very capable person, um, and but I don't like because she what was was something we would know never know from looking at you. Um, her first answer is I have so many layers. I just don't know that that's something you say that any person who actually has a lot of layers says because I think the second you say that you have like two layers and it's the one that we see and the one you don't realize that we see. Uh, Sarah's uh, Vegas odds are plus 1000 so um, not great but not terrible so I think she's a middle of the road player and I think depending on how some of the early stuff shakes out and where she is on the uh uh, whatever the, the number side of tribes or of merges, I think that's going to really dictate. I think, you know, and a lot of times in, in these seasons, you have contestants who um, dictate the terms of the game to the game, right? And like really take it um, by the neck. And you have some players who are just kind of ebb and flow with the game. Like it kind of dictates terms to them. And I think she's kind of one of those players who, um, depending on how things shake out, it might go better, it might go worse, but I don't, I don't see her being a threat to win. All right, next contestant, this is David uh, Voce, I think. Uh, he's 35. He's from Highland, California, but he is currently residing in Chicago, Illinois. He is a neurosurgeon. That is kind of his whole defining thing, his defining shtick. He, uh, his hobbies are traveling, snowboarding, and eating. Um, and the three words used to describe him are determined, passionate, and stubborn. David's interesting because when I looked up his uh, Vegas odds, they're a little different. They're a plus 500, so he is marked as a, as a contender. But um, that's kind of... Um, in contrast to everything that I'm perceiving of him, because I think outside of him being a neurosurgeon, if he was any other job, I don't think we would give him that kind of regard. Um, you know, really interesting is I, I don't really know how to describe his demeanor in his picture. Um, it, it, the best thing I can say is like a Joe Pesci from Goodfellas, like uh, um, I'm funny how, like uh, like you talking to me, like that kind of stuff, you know, and it doesn't feel like. Uh, he's going to play a really good social game. I think he's going to anticipate being in leadership, and I don't know then the realm of Survivor. He's necessarily going to have earned it. But what I was going to say earlier, uh, the really interesting stuff is um, when he talks about which Survivors uh, he'll play the game like, um, he leads with uh, Russell Hance. And um, he qualifies everybody that he's talking about. But really interestingly, all of the people that he mentioned were people with lacking social games. Uh, you can go to the bio and you can kind of check out who all he talks about and what kind of detail. Um, but I, that tells me this is not a very social guy. And uh, he seems like someone who's going to say do a lot of like, well, as a neurosurgeon, I think the shelter needs to go here. Or as a neurosurgeon, I think I need to do the puzzle. Or as a neurosurgeon, I think I deserve to go on this reward challenge and stuff like that. Um, so, ah, man, I would... I feel like he can be really grading. I can see him going far, obviously. I can see anybody going far in the right circumstances, but he seems like someone who's going to be a little prickly and who, you know, it's the episodes, or I'm sorry, it's the days where there's not like an obvious strategic move, but it's just like, who freaking sucks? That's the one, that's where you get some of the weird blind sides because this guy might just like start really grading on people and they're like, let's just get this guy out of here and like have more of a kumbaya kind of campsite situation. So that's kind of what I foresee for David. All right, next up is uh, Deshaun Radden, I think. Uh, he's 26. He's from San Bernardino. Uh, I mangled that. San Bernardino, California. He currently lives in Miami. He's a medical student, and he loves co uh, cooking, making music, and playing tennis. I'll go ahead and spoil this. This is my other favorite contender here um, because the thing that you notice about Deshaun in, some, in his bio stuff but also um, in some of his video interviews that I've seen, very affable guy, very charming, very charismatic, seems like somebody uh, people will want to be around. Um, I looked up his 
his odds, he's at about plus 750. So not in that top tier, but um, kind of in the upper middle class of contenders that, that Vegas is perceiving on Survivor. Um, he seems like a very positive guy. Um, his biggest pet peeve is not liking being told what to do. So I think that could be an inflection point for him. Um, but all of his answers... I like what he's saying because he's like, I, uh, he mentions Wendell and that's kind of like my favorite player of all time. So I like that he's going to try to contend, um, or, uh, replicate like a Wendell kind of game of just like being silent, um, and chill, but very capable in everything he does. Um, he talks about, uh, empathy again. And again, like, you know, when I'm looking at these previews, um, I'm looking for the E word because when I hear someone or when I read someone saying empathy, that reads as a like optimistic view this is someone who in their daily life is like good at uh being aware of other people and their feelings more cynically it's someone who maybe doesn't do that but knows the value of that deshaun seems like someone who really does do that so i think i have really high expectations for uh, him and his prospects in this game all right next up is tiffany seeley she's 47 she's from fort Hills, queens new york and she lives in plainview new york she is a teacher she loves running talking to people and building things in the house um i don't know what that means like building things in the house um that's just kind of a strange hobby that i would uh say my perception is um but the really when you think about tiffany um i think you can think about her in relation to the three words she uses to describe herself funny loving and loud and she uses loud in all caps um that may be true and that may be very accurate but i think that might that's one of those other buzzwords that might be a problem uh, her vegas odds are plus a thousand so on the lower end of the spectrum um i don't know why i don't really have any good intel as to why i should think this but this is a first episode vote off candidate for me just because um loudness seems to suggest a certain kind of obliviousness or a lack of concern with social mores and i think in high stress situations where people are deprived of food and of sleep um the loud person is who gets screamed at she also said what's something we wouldn't know by looking at her that she hates brushing her teeth before bed i don't know that's just a strange thing to also admit and um i don't think anybody like loves watch brushing their teeth before bed but it's like you just got to do that you know like just um, uh, hygiene wise, you just got to do that. She also says, um, that she would play the game most like, uh, Ozzy, Colby and Parvati. Uh, I, those are three people that are really good at survivor, but I don't just given the context clues that I see in her bio that I don't necessarily think of when I think of her. Um, but I, maybe I'll be surprised, but I don't think I will. All right, next player up is Eric Abraham. He's 51. He's from Atlanta, Georgia, but he lives in San, San Antonio, Texas. He is a cybersecurity analyst, and he loves basketball, golfing, and reading. Um, I really like Eric. hes uh, I don't think he's one of my top two contenders, but he's like right there. He's like the next tier uh, under. Um, feels like I've seen him in some interviews, too. Feels like a very charismatic, very um, uh, likable guy as well. Very um, uh, Someone who I can see leading a tribe, but also rallying a tribe. And I think those are two really interesting distinctions of um, can you lead, but can you also rally when things are bad? Or are you just kind of a front runner? Um, you know, he mentions Wendell as well in his uh, Survivor, the uh, past Survivor player that he'll play his game like. I think that's good. Um, he also seems like a very humble guy. I love scuba diving, so I know he can um, get out there uh, and be adventurous and probably be a provider. Um, he may be too much of a uh, physical threat or an alpha threat to uh, make people feel comfortable, um, but I feel like he'll play a really interesting game this season nonetheless. 
All right, and last up uh, is contestant Heather Aldrett. Um, she is 52. She's from Charleston, South Carolina. She lives in Charleston, South Carolina. Her occupation is stay-at-home mom, and she loves exploring, painting, tennis, and pickleball. I don't know what exploring means. I don't know if that's like a Hernando de Soto situation or if that's just like exploring around the city or that's like exploring, um, I don't know, like in your backyard, or like ge- doing like geocaching stuff. I don't know. It's not very clear, so I can't really go off a lot of that. Uh, three words to describe her, authentic, passionate, devoted. Um, I, you know here's the thing with older female characters obviously they're always physical threat they're they're not really as much physical threat so they're always a threat to get voted off but i think if they can survive the first few rounds then they become like a really necessary ally to some of the stronger players so um i could see that with her even in her video she didn't her strategy was like just like go be chill and have a good time um i don't think that wins it but i do think she can advance far just because you're trying to marry you're trying to um, uh, marry a good physical player with a good social player but also someone who is not very threatening or not a strategic threat um, she uh, she talks about having a passion for possums and I, I again I don't know if that's what she means by exploring like exploring the the land of possums but um, I think it's something to be interested in um, and she talks about uh, wanting to play the game like uh, wanting to play the game like Rick Devins, and I really like that reference. Uh, but she also says Lisa Welchel, Welchel. I don't remember how to say her name. Welchel, I think um, that's who she reminds me of. She really reminds me of her of uh, advancing uh, a good opportunity to advance in the game, but never. Lisa was the same way. She was never. I never thought, oh, she's going to pull this off. It was always she's just here because no one is really scared or threatened of her story or also her strategic approach in this game. So I think that could be good. She also mentioned um, that she's strong and has a high threshold for pain and is resilient. Those are those are important things I hear. So um, she not she might not be a contender to win, but she will be someone to keep an eye on. And her, uh, let, me, let me see, her odds are plus a thousand. So a little better, but not quite really that impressive or good um, in the larger um, anticipatory context for this game. Okay, so for context, I like Erica. I like Brad. I like Deshaun. Those are probably my three favorites. Um, I like Jeannie, and I like probably Tiffany for the first voted off. Um, so we're going to see next week uh, how close uh, I am with some of these predictions. Hopefully you guys are checking out these previews, making your own deductions as well. But more than anything, who cares? Because Survivor's back. That's the thing to celebrate here. Um, so, uh, as again, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but I'll summarize here before we go. Um, I'm going to be doing these again. Every Thursday, uh, I'll do a recap. It'll come up. I'll do some stray thoughts. I'll do some superlatives. And then um, I will reach out to you all for your questions or considerations or criticisms on the episode. Um, where you can leave those, I'm going to do, you can hit me on Instagram. You can hit me on Twitter. Um, or I think what I'm going to do is set up uh, my sectional healing newsletter over at Substack. That's just knoxmccoy.substack.com. I'm going to do like a, um, a post maybe on Wednesday nights where uh, people can go and just leave their comments like a thread or whatever. So if you have a question there, um, you can leave it there and I'll read it straight out from it. I'll prompt it again on social, but just know that's kind of the hub that I'm anticipating operating out of. Okay, well, that is going to do it for this uh, initial preview episode of Drop Your Buff Season 41. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for being here. Uh, go ahead, if you don't care, if you don't mind, if I, if I may be so bold, if you will, wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever, if that's... Stitcher, I don't know if you can do that. If that's Apple, if that's uh, Overcast, if that's if you just go listen on a de- desktop, that's cool too. Like no shame. Wherever you go and listen to these podcasts, if you don't mind to subscribe to the Over Under Chiefers feed, um, you can always get the Survivor recap episodes on Thursdays. And then if you are into sports again, we have that on Fridays. But you're not required to listen to that. That is not going to be on the test. That's just like an elective we offer. Um, okay, that's it. Until next week, I'll see you next time. Everybody drop your buffs. Drop, drop, drop your buffs. Everybody drop your buffs. 
Drop your box. Drop your box. Everybody, drop your box. Drop your box. 